Literature in Scripture is the book of Job, looked at that last week, some of the book of Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Song. And they all talk about wisdom. Uh, the Hebrew word for wisdom actually has a navigational theme connected to it. And so um, when you're in a boat and you're entering a channel or entering a river, you know, you're, you're careful to look at the buoys and at the lights. You're navigating. You're using wisdom as you move forward. Or if you're in a car and you're looking at a map, or I guess we don't look at maps anymore. We listen to the GPS. And do we turn left or do we turn right? Which way do we go? We're navigating. We're using wisdom which way do we go? So the, the wisdom literature helps us to know how to navigate life, how to be wise in the different areas of our lives. Last week, Pastor Ryan spoke from Job and helped us understand how do you navigate the thing that strikes all of us, and that is hardship and pain and suffering. That was last week. Today, we're looking at the book of Proverbs. And uh, Proverbs is a special book to me. I, I love the book, and hopefully you'll be enticed to read it. When, when I think of Proverbs, for me, the easiest way to um, look at Proverbs is to, is to picture myself hiking on a trail or hiking on a path, like one on the screen. And in the book of Proverbs, you will always come to a point where you have to make a decision. Am I going to take the path of wisdom or will I take the path of folly? If I take the path of wisdom, then I will have the marks, the signs of a, of a wise person. Or if I take the path of folly, I'll have, I will have the marks or the signs of a person who is, who is foolish. And there is no middle road. I guess you could try to take a, a middle path to try to blaze your own trail, to, to cut it down the middle, to ride the fence, to be uncommitted to the path of wisdom. But but here's the truth. If we, if we stay uncommitted to the path of wisdom by default, we end up on the path of folly. So hiking, that's the picture that I have. I did a lot of hiking over the years. Um, now because of the bandana on my head, you can't tell if that picture was taken last week or 35 years ago. You choose. I just want to say that under that bandana is a very full head of hair. And so uh, I think this picture was taken maybe in the Adirondacks or perhaps somewhere on the Appalachian Trail. A couple of my favorite treks over the years were on the Appalachian Trails, portions of it. And um, like many trails, you come to a point where there's um, vegetative overgrowth um, or maybe rock outcroppings, and you're not sure if the trail goes this way or this way or this way. And a number of times I can remember going this way and then having to circle back, and that's not the trail, coming back, but always looking for the very thing that rescued me or us, I always hiked with somebody, was a white marker. Maybe it was on a tree or on a fallen tree or on a rock, but you would look for this white marker, which is ubiquitous, from Georgia to Maine on the Appalachian Trail. You always look for the white marker because you knew that would put you on the right trail. <clears throat> now, the book of Proverbs won't tell you who to marry. It won't tell you where to invest your money. It won't tell you what job to have. It won't tell you where to go to school. It won't tell you if you should go to school. Um, it won't tell you where you should go to church. It won't tell you a lot of specifics. But what Proverbs will do is give you white markers along the way. It will show you how to walk on the right trail. It will 
help you be wise for the various aspects of your life. That's important. Now, we've used the word wisdom quite a bit, and there's different ways to, dis- to define wisdom. The, w- the way I learned it some years ago and, and the way I think of wisdom is this. It is moral skillfulness and being mentally discerning. Think about that, moral, morally skillful. You, you, you have the ability to, 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 chew, to, to understand right from wrong and the ability to make good decisions. Is it good, better, or best? in every area of life, to be morally skillful, mentally discerning. So keep that in mind as we go through Proverbs. Now, we've used the word Proverbs quite a bit. Proverb is not a word we use very often. What is a proverb? I'm going to give you a definition for a proverb. This is from the Kellers. It says, a proverb is a poetic, terse, vivid, thought-provoking saying that that conveys a world of truth in a few words. They are neither absolute commands nor promises, they are observations about how life works, how life tends to work. Um, Somebody said that a proverb is like hard candy. You don't bite down on it. You roll around it in your mouth. You savor it. Eventually it dissolves and becomes a part of you. That's what a proverb is. You, you think it through. How does this apply to my life? What, in just a few words. So we have, we have modern day. In a moment, we'll look at the, the proverbs from the Bible. We have modern day proverbs. You can finish these for me. Will you please? Uh, a penny saved is a penny. Yeah, right. Or uh, two wrongs don't make. Yeah. Or um, what's another one? Uh, there's no place like. Right. Or better late than... Yeah, or as my friend would always say, no, it's better never late. A squeaky wheel gets the right. O-H. Yeah, see, that's not really a proverb, but it should be one. That was for Pastor Ryan. All right, so that's the idea of wisdom. The book of Proverbs contains proverbial sayings. It, pro- it contains wisdom sayings. It contains white markers that help us know where the right path is, the path of wisdom, so that we can honor God with our lives and so that we can have the deepest satisfaction possible in our souls. Now, when you read through Proverbs 31 chapters, there are many themes, topics that are addressed. Many themes and topics, way too many for us to talk about here this morning. So what I'd like to do is this with the remaining time, is look at just a sampling of those themes, four, four well-known themes, topics in Proverbs. I'll show you a list of some other ones when we get done with those four, just a sampling. We'll take a little time and do that. But then I want to end our time with kind of I don't know, inviting you into the book of Proverbs and, and, and encouraging you to read the book of Proverbs, but showing you and reminding myself, how do we approach the book of Proverbs so that it is truly not just information, but so that it's transformational in our own lives. It's in the Bible for a reason, and it's there to help our lives be transformed more and more into the likeness of Christ. So how does that happen, right? Okay, so that's where, we're, that's where we're going. So let's take a look at a sampling of uh, some of the proverbial sayings, themes, topics, white markers along the way. So the first one is, along the way, 
Whom do I hang with? In a moment, you'll hear me say why this is the first one we're talking about. When we lived over in the Akron area, uh, we lived in a neighborhood with a lot of younger kids, and our kids were growing up, and there was this one kid in our neighborhood, and he'd come to our door, and he'd say, can Matthew come out and play? And almost always, he'd say, no, he can't. Not with you. We wouldn't say that. But that's what we knew inside because we just knew this kid's character and we didn't want our child to be influenced by this kid. That sounds mean, I know. But, but you don't have to be a parent to understand what many years later the Apostle Paul would write in 1 Corinthians 15 as probably he was thinking of some of the Proverbs related to who you hang with. The Apostle Paul wrote, bad company corrupts good character. Of course it does. And so right off the bat, right out of the gate in Proverbs, in verse 8, and I'll explain a little bit later what verses 1 through 7 are, but starting at verse 8, this is the very first theme addressed in Proverbs. Who do you hang with? Somebody comes to you and says, come, come be with us. And then it ends by saying, and if you do, be careful, because you could end up like a bird caught in a net. Watch out. So that theme is carried through the book of Proverbs. And you'll read things like this. The godly give good advice to their friends. The wicked lead them astray. Or walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools, you get in trouble. Or stay away from fools, for you won't find knowledge on their lips. And in the scriptures, a fool is somebody who just flips their nose at God, who doesn't take God seriously. Maybe you know someone like that. Watch out. You can get hurt. So it makes sense that many, many years later, the Apostle Paul, again, in, in the New Testament, he writes, don't be unequally yoked. Oftentimes we think of that in terms of marriage. It's true. But any partnership or dating relationship, be careful. Be careful of hanging with people who just flip their nose at God. You can get hurt. You could become like a bird caught in a net. But somebody says, wait, Jesus hung out with with people who didn't appreciate God, who flipped their nose at God, who were unbelievers. And Scripture is clear that Christians should hang out with unbelievers, and that's true, it's true. But, but here's a question you can ask. Who is influencing whom? From whom are you getting your cues? Because however you answer those questions will help you understand if you're on the path of wisdom are on the path of folly. So that's one theme, that's one topic covered in Proverbs throughout. It's one white marker that shows us how to stay on the path of wisdom. Here's another one. Along the way, how do I view work? The lazy person claims there's a lion on the road. Yes, I'm sure there's a lion out there. Stop. It'd be like me saying, you know, tomorrow morning, there's a bear in my driveway. I better not go to work. He's trying to inject humor. As a door swings back and forth on its hinges, so the lazy person turns over in bed. Lazy people take food in their hand, but don't even lift it to their mouth. Lazy people consider themselves smarter than seven wise counselors. What he's saying is that a lazy person, in reality, is just a fool. And the reason a lazy person, a sluggard is another word used, is a, is a fool is because they have forgotten the very character of God. The nature of God. Go back to the very beginning of the Bible. How does it start? 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? The first five words share the character of God. In the beginning, God created. What did he do? He worked. God is a working God, and for six days, he worked. And on that sixth day, he created a man and a woman in his image. In his image. In his image to do what? One of the things is to do work, to match his values, to match his character. Let me put it like this. At no time, at no time are you and I more like God than when we work. And you might be a, a mom or a dad working out of your home. You might be at the computer. You might be in, the, in, in a factory line. You might be in the fields. You might be in a hospital. You might be whatever your work is. When we do it with all our heart, it is, ready for this, our work. Tomorrow, when you go to work, our work is a form of worship. And by the way, there's no such thing as retirement. I mean, go ahead and golf and all of that, but find some work to do because then you are more like God. So continuing this theme topic, uh, here, here's another one. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn, learn their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer gathering food for, for the winter. But you lazy bones, how long will you sleep when you wake up? A little extra sleep? A little, when will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Now that's Proverbs 6. You go over to Proverbs chapter 30, and it says the four small creatures on earth are considered the wisest, the locust, the lizard, the rock badger, and the ant. Why does the ant get so much press? Because the ant knows winter's coming. I need to store food. Work is worth its while. I need to work and take care of myself. But, and this is a theme that's found throughout Proverbs, and this is important. An ant knows it's not working just for itself. It's storing up food for the colony in which it finds itself. This is one of the dominant themes in Proverbs. We never are wise. We are never to become wise just for ourselves. We are to become wise for the sake of the community in which we find ourselves. We are to work and honor God and, and match his character, not just for ourselves, but for the sake of the, the society and the community in which we find ourselves, our family, our church, our neighborhood, our community. So, a wise person understands the high value of work and how it reflects the character of God. The fool does not. Okay, let's go on to another theme. Along the way, what do I sound like? Boy, so many verses on our speech. For example, even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. A truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even-tempered. Now, after reading those verses, I feel like as you just, let me just shut up for a while. I'm talking too much. You guys talk for a while. Not, I'm just kidding. Let me just go on for a little while, then we'll talk later on. So the, the verses we just read have to do with the quantity of our words. And that is a problem. You read it. The person who talks a lot tends to get into more trouble. I have that problem in my home. I tend to talk more and I get in trouble more. 
Um, the, the person who talks more tends to end up disrespecting those they're around because they don't let them talk and share about their life. And it's just it's, the quantity of our words is a problem. But Proverbs doesn't just address the quantity of our words. It addresses the quality of our words. Again, the Apostle Paul, much, much later, perhaps summarizing all that he read in Proverbs regarding the quality of our words, simply says this in Ephesians chapter 4, speak the truth in love. That says it all. We're we're to be truth tellers. Um, To be honest, to be honest about myself. I I should reflect myself honestly. I should reflect reality honestly with my words. Um, I I should be truthful when I see somebody step out of bounds and do something I don't like. I should be able to blow the whistle and and follow a couple of my favorite Proverbs. You know, open rebuke is better than hidden love. The the wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. It's okay to be truthful with people, but not be so truthful that love is absent. Speak the truth in love. And many Proverbs talk about the importance of speaking lovingly, caringly, kindly, timely. Words of, that are healing, not words that are hurting. In fact, you want to know if you're on the path of wisdom or the path of folly? Ask the person closest to you. <laughs> and hopefully they'll speak the truth in love. Here's the thing. The person, the person on the path of wisdom looks for ways to build people up. The path of folly looks for ways to bring people down. So that's the issue of the tongue and our speech. There's one more um, uh, topic, theme, white marker we can look at, and it's this. Along the way, whom do I notice? Proverbs 19 says, If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord, and he will repay you. I'll show you a few other verses in just a moment. Let me just say this, that <clears throat> it, it's, it's very common and it's very typical around the world for people to hang with those who are most like themselves uh, in terms of socioeconomics and so on. That, that's normal and that's common. Um, and it's okay. It's okay. Unless, unless we neglect the very people group that God seems to hold dearest to his heart. It's, you can't avoid it. Old Testament, New Testament together, you will find hundreds of passages that talk about God's heart for the orphan, for the widow, for the poor, and the oppressed. It's remarkable. I mean, verses like this in Proverbs, those who oppress the poor insult their maker, but helping the poor honors, them, honors him. Blessed are those who are generous because they feed the poor. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those who are being crushed. Some of you know that just two and a half weeks ago, I returned with a team of nine of us who went over to Burundi to be with the village that we've adopted there. God put that on our hearts. One of my favorite sayings from this past year is, just because you can't do everything doesn't mean you can't do something. Well, this is one of the somethings the chapel gets to do in Burundi, Africa. And we're working with a people group called the Batwa. They are 1% of of the population in Burundi, and they are a despised people group. They are looked down upon. They are oppressed. They are pygmies. 
and they live on less than $1 a day. And five years ago, we started our partnership there, and it's been remarkable, the quality of lifestyle, or quality of life they've had. The, the, the reduction of infant mortality is remarkable. You can just see it in their eyes how healthy they are now, and there's much more I can tell you at some point. But this was a really tough, tough trip. And just even getting there, we missed our plane and the whole bit. We finally got there. And even when we were there facing some unbelievable um, corruption, which I would love to tell you it's about at some point. And just a really difficult, a difficult experience. All nine, the, the team of nine was amazing. But there was at one point where I pulled them together. Let's remember why we're here. Let's remember why we're here. We are with the very people whose God, who God's heart moves toward, the oppressed and the poor. So whenever, whenever you find yourself reaching out to the poor and the oppressed in whatever way to show God's love, let me just say you're on the path of wisdom. Right? Now, those are, those are four themes, topics that emerge from the book of Proverbs. Now, there are others. I wish we had time to talk about alcohol and pride and injustices and truthfulness and trials and health and children, relationships, debt, parenting, happiness, and there are more. You choose. When you go through the book of Proverbs, it's amazing the things you'll find that apply to your life right now. Okay, let me transition. Those are some of the themes. What I want to do is, is take a moment and... I don't know if you've read through the book of Proverbs before. What I'd like to do is to give you an approach to the book of Proverbs so it, may, so it can come alive for you. There are 66 books in the Bible. Proverbs is one of those books, and it's there for a reason, not just for information, but for transformation. Not just a book of do's and don'ts, but a book that can actually help us step onto the trail of wisdom in the various areas of our lives. So I want to show you how this approach works. There's three ways to approach Proverbs, but each one successively requires more of you. You'll see what I mean. The first way we approach Scripture is understanding what, what Proverbs offers. And this is how Proverbs begins. In the first six verses, it shows you what it kind of Kind of, it kind of invites you in and says, if you read through Proverbs, this is what you will get out of it. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people, there it is, wisdom. And you'll learn some discipline to help them understand the insights. You'll get insights in life. Their purpose is to teach people to live discipline. How about some success in your life? To help them to do what is right, just, and fair, to learn the difference between right and wrong. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. There's good decision-making right there. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Look, even if you consider yourself wise, there's always room for more. Let those with understanding receive guidance. You'll get guidance. And all of this comes by exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. See that? So, so Proverbs is stating what 
the first six verses as stating what you're going to get out of Proverbs. It's like a challenge. It's, come on, read me. Watch what happens in your life. It's an invitation. So, in the, in the back, there are some Bibles there. Maybe you don't have one. Take one. It's yours. You know? Or maybe you have a Bible at home. I want to encourage you, just start reading through Proverbs. There's 31 chapters. That's one chapter a day. Or what my wife and I do, and a number of us on staff and some other, other friends I have, we have a, a little book that you can get on Amazon or any place by the Kellers called God's Wisdom for Navigating Life. I love this little daily devotional, 365 entries. And just the, the, the way they distill down the thoughts of individual Proverbs, sometimes they'll choose from Job, sometimes from Ecclesiastes, but almost always from Proverbs. What a tremendous little resource to have to help you understand Proverbs and what you can get out of it. Okay? So understand, that's the first place we start, understand what, what Proverbs has to offer. The second one, though, is this. Understand that there is a disclaimer. What do I mean by that? We just got done with verses 1 through 6. Look at what Proverbs can offer you. Essentially, to help us become morally skillful and mentally discerning. Who's not interested? Who here is not interested in that? Becoming morally skillful and mentally discerning. But when you come to verse 7, it's like there's a sign at the start of the trail that says, this is where the trail begins, but the disclaimer is, none of what you're about to read will make any difference to you. None of it will help you at all. Proverbs will not be helpful to you at all, unless this is true in your life. The fear of the Lord, take God and his word seriously. That's what it says in verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's what it says in verse 7. That's the, that's, that's the sign at the start of the trail that walks you through Proverbs. And then when you come to the very end of Proverbs, there's like another sign that says this, charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will, greatly, will be greatly praised. It's not just a woman, it's a woman and a man. Isn't that interesting? At the very beginning of the Proverbs trail, at the very end, it is the fear of the Lord, taking God and his word seriously that matters. And in between, a number of times, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You want the most out of Proverbs? This is the way you approach it, with taking God and his word seriously. You read through it with that spirit, and you will be positioned to glean what Proverbs has to offer. But there's one more approach, which even requires more of you, the third one. The first one is, understand what it has to offer. That's verses 1 through 6. Understand that, uh, uh, that um, we need to... Uh, um, Understand that it's important to fear the Lord, to take God and his word seriously. The third one is this. Understand Proverbs requires humility. So when, when I read through Proverbs, and maybe when you read through Proverbs, you'll think, that's amazing. I, I want that in my life. I, I would like that to reflect be reflected in my life. I would be, like to be that kind of wise person in my home, at my workplace, in my community. And I think, why am I so drawn 
to this idea of wisdom. And that's because every time you see the word wisdom or see a picture of wisdom in Proverbs, what it's doing is pointing to the character of God. It's pointing to the very person of Jesus. When you see wisdom, you can think of Jesus himself. In fact, if we were to look at the the Gospels, a number of times it will say, when Jesus taught and spoke, the people were awed by his wisdom. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says that Jesus is wisdom. Over in the book of Colossians, Paul writes that, that, that in Jesus, the complete wisdom of God is found. And so when you're reading through Proverbs and you see wisdom defined, exemplified, illustrated, personified, all of that, what you're reading is what your life would look like if Jesus were you. And as a Christ follower, Jesus does live within you by your spirit. And so Proverbs is not meant to be read like, hmm, like a, uh, uh, a list of do's and don'ts. It, it's, it's really written to drop us to our knees, to, to make us think, Lord, I... I see this, this amazing illustration of wisdom here, but that's not my life, but I want it to be my life. And as we humble ourselves, we open room for God to do a work in our lives that he could not do otherwise. In Proverbs and other places, it says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. When we humble ourselves and, God, I want to I be more like that. He shows up and begins to do a work in our lives. So when I read through Proverbs, I realize it's written very much the way the Sermon on the Mount is written, to humble us, to bring us to our knees. God, I want to live like that. The Sermon on the Mount, it begins with, blessed are the poor in spirit. That doesn't mean poor in money. It means impoverished spirit. It means humble Blessed are those who are humble and recognize they have a need for God. And the rest of the Sermon on the Mount is, this is how you live out the kingdom of God. But it ends with Jesus giving some particular words, which I wonder sometimes, was he thinking about the Proverbs trails of wisdom and folly? He shifts the metaphor to use a construction one that says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. All he's saying is, please, to live within the kingdom of God, to walk the trail of wisdom, build on rock, walk the trail of wisdom, follow me. Let's pray together. And now, God, thank you for uh, the, the, just the gift of Proverbs, which speaks to all of our hearts in such a unique way. Um, would you give us the, the, uh, the heart 
to walk on the trail of wisdom, to walk the path of wisdom, God, and then the strength to do that. Call us to yourself. You are wisdom. Help us to love you, to walk with you, to live for you even this week. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.